Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shuttle Pod. This is uh, Shuttle Pod 73. We're following up again on the heels of the New York Comic Con news with a little bit more about that. And then, of course, what came out of New York Comic Con for us to review is Short Treks. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm here with our buddy, Lori. Hello. Hey, Lori. And so you were actually our boots on the ground, so to speak, at Comic-Con. So we wanted to talk to you about that. I was. I wasn't wearing boots, but I was <laughs> no, there. No, that would be uncomfortable for yeah. all day. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lot of walking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was there. Uh, I was there with Brian for part of it and Joe, who are also... And Joe, yeah. Yep. Who does our comics. Yep. yep. So I did manage to get good seating in the Star Trek Universe panels. Thank you to last minute reaching out and getting uh, CBS helped us out with that. Awesome. Um, actually, Tom Constantino from the Orville helped us with that. And Paley Center yep. was amazing. So everybody gets a big shout out because we were very last minute and everybody got us into where we needed to be. That's awesome. Yeah. So that you never out. know with those things being last minute, you know. No, and everybody was great. And that was and it worked out really well. So that was nice. Um, the only thing I'll say is in the Star Trek Universe panel, so Joe was closer to the back and he was sitting with a bunch of fans and I was sitting mm-hmm. with, I guess, like press and CBS people. And so mm-hmm. uh, Joe definitely got more of like more of the authentic reaction um, from people uh. around him <laughs> <laughs> than I did. But I would say most of that was actually in response to audience questions and the usual uh, frustration, yes. let's say, yes. with a lot of those. Yes, yes, these are. Yeah, those come always come with certain frustrations, don't they? <laughs> yes, but overall, like it was actually it was great to be there. The trailers looked really beautiful on the big screen. Both panels very smartly with Sonequa in the first one, Patrick Stewart in the second, who said, "Let's just play the trailer right now." Yeah, like yeah, I so that smart. Was smart. So smart. Um, audio problems with a, with Discovery, and then they fixed That's it. That's what I remember from your tweeting. I was like, whoops. They, yeah, they... they had to pull it back. But then, you know, they played the Picard trailer, and then Patrick Stewart is like, let's just see it again, which was actually yeah. really smart. That's cool. Like, it was great. Yeah. And I thought it was very nice when they said they they said there's a short trek already up. And I thought that's so nice for everybody who's at home. Because now, like, I get something special because I'm sitting here. And then everybody else gets something special because I can't go watch the short track right now. So I thought that was kind of <laughs> cool. And I have to say, so, I mean, I was watching. This is one of the cool things about New York Comic Con is the last couple of years. Reed Pop, who organizes it, has partnered with Sci-Fi, like Sci-Fi Wire, you know, like the news arm of Sci-Fi Channel, to live stream, like, you know, important popular panels. And I thought that was really cool because... That, you know, they have to blank out the screen at things that are supposed to be exclusive to the con only, but otherwise you get to see it. It's like you were there. And that was really nice because you don't know, but Comic-Con, you know, San Diego Comic-Con doesn't do that. And so it was really cool. So I got to sort of follow along both with your tweets, which were excellent, and then kind of li- and keep the live stream on in the background too. So that was really cool. Oh, that's It's great. a rare thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a rare thing. Um but of course, that's just a live stream from a few cameras. But it, I mean, it looked like, especially with the Picard stuff, the crowd just went nuts with the trailer. And of course, Sir Patrick himself appearing on stage and, you know. Well, they also, when when uh, Troy and Riker showed up and Riker's like yelling at his kid, like they went berserk. Yeah. That was like the what? biggest. Yeah. Stop yelling. <laughs> Dad Riker <laughs> is great. so good. Well, he is Dad Riker in real life, right? So He is in real he's life. He's had a yeah, lot exactly. of experience. Um, yeah, that was great though. The crowd just was so excited for that, and honestly, pretty enthusiastic for for everything. 
Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it. So I was curious yeah, what that was like being there on the floor. Uh, well, the Orville panel was kind of interesting because I think the actors, we, yeah, let's talk about that since that was sort of next <laughs> chronologically for you in your day. The Orville panel was a hoot. And by the way, thanks, Tom, for getting us in. He, Tom is a yeah. editor-producer for for uh, the Orville and a heck of a nice guy and also a huge Trekkie if you guys haven't seen his social media posts. He gives a lot of love to, to like TNG and things like that along the way because, duh, most people are Trekkies and fans of Trek also working on the Orville. There's I, I actually, to bring up something, we're going to almost sort of jump the gun for a second. One of the awful fan questions that immediately made I think everyone in the room and everyone live streaming roll their eyes was there was an obnoxious fan who who really was like unfortunately the stereotypical like nerd that you don't want to have ask a question tried to pit the Orville against Star Trek uh, in a fan question at the end and I thought that was really tactless and what what and also like what are they gonna say they're gonna be very tactful and nice about it all first off well the big thing they said was there wouldn't be an orville without star trek right and that's a hundred percent true and that's very true and they're and seeing like what would you but and really like what would you want them to say they're not going to like incite a fan riot that's something the fans (laughs) are a small group of fans there's a small group of fans that are doing this amongst themselves they're not going to do that they're not going to give you you know give them fodder for that and you know and they handled it very it was very classy and i thought that was really nice so everybody handled it well and of course like we should point out that like this the panel was moderated by david a goodman who is both a comedy writer and a star trek writer both for tv and books so we're talking about people who uh, who are like all of it okay you know what i mean like it's like there's no there's no sides there's no you know picking a side in a battle no no one making either of these franchises like these shows feels that way it's there's certain groups of fans that are trying to make it that way yeah you but know? i don't think that i don't think it matters at this point no i don't think so either. and they made that really clear i mean penny johnson gerald penny johnson gerald is sitting right there and she played two roles like one pretty you know big one on she was on deep space nine she was on next generation so you know everything she's in. She actually and Penny is me. Penny is a hoot. She's very nice and obviously like a cheerleader for her cast and stuff. She's such a hoot. Like she can you know her little crazy dancing that she did and, and she does that like pretty much anytime you know there's an event like that. She's she, from what I understand. She also just she just tweeted a video of herself dancing like an hour ago. But that's what she do. exactly <laughs> see that's what she do. But the whole cast there was singing. They were having fun. They were basically yeah. just having a good time. And all talking about how Seth is the one leading the charge and how important that is yes. to everybody. And yeah, it was a really, really fun panel. And again, Tom, he got us. We were in the front row. Like, thank you. Because <laughs> that yeah, was fantastic. That's awesome. And uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was really fun. And you can tell that they're having fun on set also. Which is uh, actually, to tie it all together, exactly what Sonequa Martin-Green said mm-hmm. when we were on the red carpet. And she said that they play as hard as they work and talked about how much fun especially with what you hear about yeah you hear about the stuff that those guys have both goofy and kind of sincere like good times with each other when we it sounds you know um the disco cast sounds really like a lot of fun to hang out with i mean after all look there's long hours on set they gotta have fun otherwise it's gonna suck right yeah like it would just suck so it makes sense and that's great uh what else oh um so the orville of course like they don't have a lot to talk about as far as season three because they're just sort of gearing up for that. 
And I did find it interesting because, of course, we're all sort of wondering, well, dang, like a year, you know, it won't be back until fall 2020 on Hulu is sort of the estimated time. And that's a long time. So, of course, like they kind of had to say something about that. And I mean, at least what they said sounds good, which is, hey, remember, you know, Identity Parts 1 and 2, which is the awesome really you know big cliffhanger thing with isaac and the fight with the kalon and it was pretty massive and a lot of money went into it and they said look you remember that we're trying to put that kind of effort and you know love and attention to detail and money it kind of implied too into whatever we produce in the third season so you know it's hard to be mad about that right i mean you can't really be mad at them saying well we want to take some time and make a good group of episodes (laughs) yeah no no i wasn't mad it is really sad though that it's going to be like a long time before it comes back i feel like we get so used to it i mean i think of so many shows i waited so long like for another season and it gets so you know when Mm -hmm. it comes back if you watch you'll watch but it's uh yeah there are lots of shows that i I remember 24 like waiting a year and a half yeah yeah Yeah. two years yes yeah. Oh, yeah, two years. That's right, yeah. Well, it's, anyway, it's become more common, but, you know, with a show like The Orville, which is, you know, I mean, like, it it had its ups and downs and ratings and stuff on Fox, and now it's transitioning. It's just kind of a bummer that they couldn't come out pretty quickly and be like, follow us over to Hulu. Okay, here's some stuff, you know. That's the only thing that kind of is too bad. I'm hoping for them that the move to Hulu, like, it does affect the show just a li- like just lets them sort of do yeah. the, the real version of what they want to do versus the network so version of what they want to do and i don't mean i want swearing and nudity <laughs> just for the record <laughs> no, that's true that's not right. what i mean at all i just mean tonally so um yeah let's yeah and, and they've kind of you know they've kind of said as much like seth has straight up said he's looking forward to it because they get time back because they don't have to make 42 minute episodes <laughs> which i think any you know creator writer creator is happy about that because let's face it 42 minutes with a bunch of commercials squeezed in kind of sucks i mean it's really it's not that long you know no i agree so that's cool well what else uh and then oh and then of course that evening was paley so there was a paley fest with the discovery cast and so i saw I, i thought this was i saw some people sort of feedback saying like oh well disco you know people who are fans of discovery um, kind of felt like, you know, Disco got sidelined for Picard a little bit at Comic-Con earlier in the day, which, I mean, let's be real, Picard is where the buzz is, so that's what they're going to focus on. But again, people who sort of felt slighted, like, don't worry, the Discovery cast went and had a whole Paley, you know, in, like panel and Q&A session, so they did not get slighted at New York that day. No, and it was great. The moderator was Scott Kalura, who uh, I've been following on Twitter for a while, but he's uh, he mm-hmm. was great. He was perfect. Um, really understood how to get the questions to them and let them be funny, but definitely knows the show. I thought the mood there yeah. was great. We got a few. We didn't get everybody on the red carpet. It was, first of all, mm-hmm. a very small red carpet. <laughs> mm. So it's not like a big one where people are walking by and you're going, hey, Mary, Doug, come over here. It's just they walk up, they go, here's who you're going to talk to now. And they put the person in front. You know, it's very small. Wow. Okay, um, so yeah, that's small. We didn't get Doug and we didn't get, um, I wanted David Ajala because 
we've never talked to him before. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, he's new, yeah. Yeah, and I loved him on Supergirl, um, but uh, we didn't get him. But we got Sonequa Martin-Green, <laughs> Mary Wiseman, yep. and Anthony Rapp, and they were we didn't get Wilson Cruz, but those three, they were all lovely, and they didn't run away from it. They stayed and answered everything and were so charismatic yeah, I mean, and it, delightful it shows in our in our written our, our write-ups our interviews that you wrote up about them it shows they are all very into it and very nice about sort of their time on the red carpet which yeah. is great and we got them to reflect a little on the previous seasons because they can't really say anything about the new season right and so right. instead that's of- the other thing it's like you can't go in there and be like tell me something about season three because you can't no one's gonna tell you and it's just, honestly it's a stupid thing to to ask when you have such limited time because you know they can't tell you Right, and so so you we, had great questions. I yeah, think. well, they had they were fun. They were real. They're always really fun to talk to, and they were great. So, mm-hmm. um, it was actually I really liked hearing Anthony say that one of his that his favorite previous scene before this season was the mm-hmm. dancing scene mm-hmm. with Samus and Michael scene. Burnham, which is truly one of my favorite scenes in the whole uh-huh. series. It's like, a great episode from the first season in general, it, and yeah, yeah. And I just I remember just loving that scene and feeling like I'd never seen anything like that on Star Trek before, and I just thought it was it's I, true. I was a total was sucker nice. for it. I absolutely, you know, I loved it. So that was a nice little shout out. Well, and also the, I know you're a fan of kind of of uh, cranky Stamets, so it's it's kind of it was kind of the first time you got to see he's a little cranky from the situation, but he's not with. Her, you know, not with Burnham, and there's a nice little he was sweet kind of softness to it. Yeah, yeah. And then I also loved uh, Mary Wiseman saying that she wants to be Michael Burnham's roommate forever, even when they have kids <laughs> and are married. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I mean, they keep they, they're still roommates in season three because we asked them, right? Yeah. So we know, and that's that's nice, I guess. She said that they didn't even want to bring up the topic, so they're just going to stay <laughs> living together. That's because I said, aren't there, isn't there a lot of empty space there now on the ship? Because like uh, yeah. most of the crew is gone. So, and she was like, "No, we we don't even discuss it. It just we're not going to bring it up." <laughs> so that was good. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and the other thing they mentioned at the panel that I thought was great was that we're going to get a lot more of the bridge crew this season yes yes so we're gonna get to spend some more time with them so i thought that was good which like you know you should because logically the crew just got a lot smaller you know yeah you should be able to focus on the bridge crew more give them each an episode yeah it was good they should like i mean like you know we we saw some stuff and it it, all that last season and all did was make me want to know more like you know oshkan got out with pike and stuff and then that was i mean that was good now I want to see more, you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah, and I want to see them integrated into the episodes and, you know, doing stuff. And that's always fun. Take them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Go visit somewhere. So hopefully they will. Mm-hmm. A little exploring when they're in that new time. You know, you know, imagine that. Imagine, great yeah. If they would do that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. All in all, I'd say they were fun. That There was a Star Trek booth that was uh, way in the back of the big dealer's room. Um, which actually meant that you could look at stuff because it wasn't so packed with people that you're crunched in. And they had some of the mm. costumes um, from Picard and from Discovery, um, and some shirts for sale and stuff like that. And yeah. Oh, so, right. Yeah. That's right. So there was some stuff. I didn't get to do the um, the the installation they had set up because the line was just far too long to yeah, get into I, the transport. Yeah, people snap pictures of like what the line looked like. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, we we got to the line and we, Brian and I, and we asked this woman who'd been standing in line, 
how we said how long have you been here she said a long time i said how long she said i i don't know and i was like months oh, years geez, that, like what happened yeah but then it turned out that's she meant like sign. 15 minutes but <laughs> oh okay but, that's pretty okay 15 <laughs> minutes is reasonable but like wow so but we there was a point at which we're like we have to just go do something instead of just standing still here so standing there yeah we missed it sadly right and that was the same experience they had up but San Diego Comic-Con for people who went to that. It's the same thing. Right. But uh, yeah, so that's cool. Well, uh, yeah, there were, some, there were some new costumes over there, I noticed, because they had, they had wrapped Picard, so they were able to throw in a few more things that weren't there when it was the Comic-Con in Las Vegas version of the Picard stuff. Like, number one's collar, I noticed, was there. <laughs> his, his faithful canine companion <laughs> was there. Yeah, there wasn't yeah, much. Yeah, but... pretty... No, and a pretty yeah. rad outfit that JRN wore uh, that we saw in the trailer that's quite detailed. Yeah. Was, oh, no. The pictures I saw were impressive. It's always detailed. Lots and lots of detail. Lots and lots of detail, yeah. Yep. So that's cool. But that's it. I'm glad people could walk up to that and they didn't have to like deal with the line for the other, for the interactive experience part, just to get to say also the static stuff. You know, that's good. Right. Well, those were separate, totally in completely yeah, separate areas. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. It's also smart maybe to kind of cover two, you know, cover gra- multiple, gra- you know, ground that way of like get the word out, get the brand out there in a couple places. Yeah, that was good. And there was definitely a little more representation at some of the other booths, too. So that was nice. Good. That's nice to know. Yeah. Because things have been. Well, I mean, you know, like things have been on the decline up until more recently, like Trek presence had shrunk. Oh, yeah. So that's nice to see. Yeah, it was good. Well, all right. We should talk about the things that the thing that dropped that day at New York Comic Con, and then its follow up of sorts. It's well, it's cut. It's sister, you could say, that came next Thursday. So just last week, uh, the short tracks that were announced, and we got the full schedule, which is nice. Uh, we've been expecting that, honestly, but I'm glad I was surprised and happily surprised that they dropped one kind of as a bonus that Saturday because, of course, their pattern has been Thursdays. So I wasn't sure if they were going to announce and then be like, oh, and tune in Thursday, but they actually did both. <laughs> so that was cool. Yep. And so what'd you think? Let's talk about the first one. So let's do it. Q&A written by Michael Chabon and directed by Mark Pellington and... Let's, here's the episode synopsis, just for folks. Uh, Ensign Spock's first day aboard the USS Enterprise doesn't go as planned when he and number one are unexpectedly stuck together in a turbo lift. Yep, pretty much that simple, right? Which is smart. Tell a yeah. small story with a small amount of time. Uh, this was pretty delightful, all, all in all, I have to say. And no surprise, this came from Michael Chabon, who, of course, like, uh, hit it out of the park with his first short trek last season, Calypso, and you know is is a well recognized you know author and of course huge Star Trek fan and running the writers room on Picard. So it's you know he's got some good cred. So it was no surprise. What did you think? I mean, I would agree. It was a little baffling like i watched it with joe and we were just looking when the singing started we were very confused um because yes. it just kept going but i having rewatched it too like it is pretty it, it is mostly delightful i would say yes. just fun i feel like it had a nice there's a nice 
wink and nod constantly to everything that we know, like as Star Trek nerds, about those mm-hmm. two characters and their history. But if you didn't, and you were only familiar with Discovery, for example, I think mm-hmm. you would still just enjoy it just as much and in a different way. Yeah, I think so. Too. So it was like new information for those people, and it it tried to fill in some blanks, which some of which were sort of in-universe blanks and some were things that we all know were part of the lore of making the show right uh but i thought it was a lot of fun i was i confess that i was distracted by the makeup on the two yes on both of them it's it's unfortunate yeah i don't know it's very unfortunate i don't know what happened there like why it wasn't great on either of them It, it doesn't make sense to me i mean so i mean okay so the 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 eyebrow in the room is that obviously <laughs> Ethan Peck didn't want to shave again because he wasn't going to have a lot. Like it wasn't him on, on Discovery shooting for six months. So they weren't going to make him do that. So it's really clear that they have an entire like appliance over his natural like eyebrow. And it's a bummer because I don't know what happened, but it did not blend well in many shots. It was yeah. so obviously just laid off. Yeah, stuck on him, and it was like, oh, you're—it's ru- ruining this like a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> little no, bit. and it was in certain shots where it was—it was distracting. It was that suddenly you were noticing that and thinking about that? And trust me, I'm not looking for flaws. I'm looking to no, have a not good at time. All. Yeah, you just—you're just, but but again, it's it's essentially a shot of of two people talking to each other a lot of time. So you're gonna see their faces in close up a lot, and it's like, oh, there, there's, oh, crap, like. You know, like he did an eyebrow raise and a seam appeared and you're like, no, no. that's uh." So I don't know what happened there. It's really kind of confounding because as I mean, the disco people, the makeup crew is is great. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's surprising. And then, like you said, even even Rebecca Romaine's makeup was cakey and kind of odd it, i thought too it was cakey and it was you know the false eyelashes and then the lipstick that actually seemed fresher after they'd been stuck for a while like she'd stopped <laughs> and reapplied but it is this is a thing this isn't just this like I mean, this that's, is that's a tv, this is thing, TV yeah. and i get driven crazy because like it's a detective and she's chasing people and she's running around and her makeup looks like she literally put it on three yeah she seconds never sweat before. anything yeah and like exactly. star trek always did this before all oh, yeah. other shows always, do it, yeah. it yeah. but it, it is one of those things that drives me crazy and I think it should come from character and there's certain characters that you go yeah that person would probably stop and fix her makeup yeah and and number one being no nonsense it no I don't think she yeah would. you know like I don't think she cares and but. I don't think she'd put false eyelashes I don't know it was and also like she's already a very beautiful woman so they don't even need, and I, I, you know, I was thinking like, are they trying to do like a retro shout out to what makeup was like on the original series? But that's not, Possibly. that's not, that's, well, it's also not worth call. Like you can pick all kinds of things to throw back to, but let's not do that. Like, it, <laughs> like I just, yeah. because I feel like we're getting to know her character in a way we didn't before. And it just, to me, doesn't match her character that she spends all this time making sure that her makeup is perfect and fresh all the time. It just, right. it's, it was annoying. Anyway, it was, it was just so thick that it was distracting. And if it had been less thick, yeah, I, 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 wouldn't have I don't know. What, yeah. I really don't. It's like, I really can't explain like what happened with the makeup that, that, you know, couple of days that they were shooting it. It was strange. It was like, in the, it was like Deanna and Beverly together at their most makeup-y. 
you know, when they we used to cake it <laughs> yes. on them, like yes, suddenly yes. they just had so much eyeshadow and so much blush and lipstick. It was like an 80s bit of craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They did go through that period. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, so not to detract from that, because there are there are a lot of nice stuff. Um, I like what you let's circle back to like what you said, which is that this tries to fill in things both sort of in universe and out of universe. Well, well let's talk about what are those things that it's trying to sort of fill in for us? I mean, the, the big one, obviously. So we all all of us who have seen all these things a million times and read all the books and whatever we know that mm-hmm. initially in the in the cage which was the original pilot it was number one who was very logical and unemotional and spock wasn't right. that he was smiling he was yelling the women you know yelling all yes, these things he's yelling he's yelling <laughs> yeah. he's smiling he's yeah. having big reactions check the circuit <laughs> right exactly <laughs> which is why we have that nice little thing where she tells him not to shout at not the to beginning, shout, which, right which is cute and yeah. it's exactly the same it's great it's a great little throwback and so mm-hmm. the idea and so when they made decisions about characters based on network notes and there's always there's a lot of different mm-hmm. stories floating around but the bottom line was that her characteristics were given to him yes and so i felt like that was almost the transitioning of that happening in that moment in the elevator Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know so yeah because yeah now we get this chance to flesh out the two of them actually being together which we never really saw except very briefly in this pilot so what do we do with these two characters that we know in in the real world kind of assumed characteristics from from one another what do you do you know to to now have them in a room together so i liked i liked it a lot that there was this back and forth and of course like Una is apparently a very good sport, and we'll just let Spock hammer her with questions, which is quite something. Yeah, I love that. That was that was great. Letting a Vulcan continue to question you—that's pretty brave. Like, I like it. It's ballsy. Even uh, <laughs> questioning the prime the prime directive, she didn't want to have a big conversation about. But I no. still, I just thought it was great. All the stuff back and forth was great. The different, the absurd, you know, from the scientific questions to do you like eggplant to whatever was going on. It was just a lot of mm-hmm. fun. And it's hard to make. It's a scene of two people in a room, basically. Yep. And and, and I like that they call out in the beginning that, you know, people don't really talk in elevators. Right. And they're like, yeah. And then they continue to talk, actually, which is fun. Yeah. So I thought that it was just that their their chemistry was great. I wish they hadn't done. They had some weird sexual tension at the end that they did, and I don't I don't get it. And I think that was unintentional. I'm not really sure that that was supposed to be that way. You know, it's really hard for me to to see why they would do that. Oh, it felt it felt deliberate, but it was just yeah unnecessary. Even though we also know that number one is supposed to kind of have the hots for Pike, though, and they hinted that too right. a little bit. So. I mean, hey, you could be attracted to all kinds of people, so it's not like she has to pick one person, mind you. It's just it's just we a little weird, but it was weird. It was but weird. But by the end, yeah, they kind of have a little sizzle between them by the end of their turbo lift stay. But I I liked I felt like we didn't need that. Like it was so nice before that. Just their whole interaction. It was. I think that's what I'm saying. I think it, I think it made it weird that it didn't need to be there. Yeah. But she was hinting about like when she's explaining to him that she understood exactly what he was doing then yes. he was she was hinting that she well is, yeah and i yeah. mean that's i mean that's basically a sort of you know bearing oneself to each other kind of moment so you could see why that would all of a sudden get you know even if it's just sort of briefly a brief sort of flirtation with it there's there's this intimacy there that they both just sort of exposed in their inner selves for a minute to each other yeah right? 
And so that's going to mean something, you know, and like maybe for two seconds you do, you know, or whatever. There's a little feeling there because it's a really, you know, it's a really uh, private thing that they've shared with each other for a minute there, especially people who are so reserved and sort of famously or will become famously known to be reserved. That's that's a big deal. Right. Because she she actually hasn't been reserved in what we've seen of her. No, no. They've done, I think they've done an okay job kind of retconning the fact that maybe on the bridge she's more reserved, but otherwise she's not. You know what I mean? Like trying to deal with the fact that you can't really make number one as strictly unemotional as she was in the cage because Spock exists, you know, in his modern form. You just can't. I I love that she essentially just comes in and, you know, the whole thing is like in her control, like, you know, she's like, no, you may ask me questions until I hit the, the turbo lift doors. You know, you nope. And I love the thing where she's just like, get on your knees, Spock. You know, just like, there you go. I'm in control of this. Like, you don't seem to understand what I'm saying about giving me a boost. So, you know, a little a little almost dominatrixy flair, but in a good way. You know, she's just like, get on your knees. You know, well, it's, it's good, though. He was going to give her a boost in a very strange way. Uh, like I think he, well, it looked to me like it was a, uh, uh, like a dance lift. I don't know why he was going to do that. Right. I mean, I know Vulcans are strong, but somehow that didn't seem efficient. And I, it struck me that no, like exactly like you're supposed to take a knee or something and like step on your knee or then onto your shoulders or something like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't know. Proving that Spock is still kind of awkward. So, and that goes back to the, the stuff that. So we've talked about number one side of it. And so, of course, there's a little bit of Spock that they're trying to, again, kind of work in, which is that just as number one's attributes kind of floated over to Spock, even in the early days of TOS, Spock wasn't quite pinned down. And as we know, he's been known to smirk and make some kind of really shitty, sarcastic comments in the first few episodes of TOS. I mean, he smirks full on like, I don't know, kind of like a madman at, at the human men being stupid about Mud's women, you know? Like, he finds the whole thing kind of ridiculous and amusing. Right. Which they totally cut to him, smirking. Yeah. And his really uh, almost jerky, sarcastic, very... I know what's coming. The one about cutting out your adrenal gland from the corporate maneuver? Is that what you were thinking? No. I was, I was oh, thinking of another say? one. There's another one, I'm sure. There's, what is it? It's it's the enemy within, and he's oh, so. Yeah. Oh yes, of course. Oh, like it's actually the his worst moment in the entire. That's true. Franchise. Go ahead and say it. You're, I forgot about that. I can't believe <laughs> I forgot about it. Like he says, so after you know Janice Rand, who was basically almost raped by evil Kirk. Ah uh, yes. And then he says, like there was something very interesting about him, wasn't there? And he's yeah, like and raising he his eyebrows and being smirks so and gross. Leers. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, oh it's like so. Yeah. Gross. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Horrible. But yeah. well, and there you go. See, that's early Spock. And then basically by like, I don't know what episode five, seven, five, six, seven, somewhere in there, he, it's nailed down, and that's pretty much the end of it. So yeah, they get to you know, and that's one of those things where we know the real you know out of universe like real world reason why that happened. But hey, it's on screen, so it's kind of fair game for them to try and reconcile you know in universe so they do i mean yeah i I thought this was fine yeah i liked it so i think we should talk about the thing that 
I've seen some people take a little bit of issue with. I think I don't think you and I do as much, but we should definitely just talk about this, which is the idea that, you know, number one catches him smiling, right? Number one catches Spock smiling a little bit. And, you know, she kind of at first almost playfully gives him a little bit of shit about it, saying it's unsettling to see a Vulcan smile, uh, which is fine. Like, that's kind of just uh, almost kind of cutesy, like ball, ball busting to welcome him in, you know, in a little bit. And then she actually does get kind of sincere for a minute and even says, like, you know, uh, I would never actually ask a crewmember to suppress or conceal their nature, which is a very nice little, you know, message from number one. But then it's kind of funny because what is it about a minute later in their course of their conversation? She basically says, but if you want to command, you're going to have to learn to keep, you know, freaky things to yourself. And you can see why there that's kind of conflicting right like you can see why that's almost two conflicting statements um although i would say that we also know that this is not telling she's not telling him that like as a rule she's saying when you want to take on the role of a commander there's things you have to keep in check and that's true of anyone by the way i also feel like she's saying that she made that choice Right. And it, that's the other thing is it's it, as, as she demonstrates, like it becomes clear that she's made that choice. And I mean, she even says, you know, you have to learn to keep the figure to yourself, even if it's painful. And Spock, of course, kind of has this, you know, knowing look in his eyes. Says, I've been doing that all my life. And it is. And of course, she looks back and very kind of empathetically says, well, I know because she does know, you know, she's trying to say, look, I do know. I think that was nice. There's a subtext there that is, is removed from this because it's more modern. But I think if you go back to the throwback of the cage, um, there's a whole kind of sexism there that you could kind of read into this if you sort of put the cage version number one in with her. Because remember, there's that line in the cage yep. where, where Pike goes, oh, I can't get used to a woman on the bridge about the new yeoman. And then, of course, he looks over at number one and is like, oh, but not you, number one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> Whatever. I've enjoyed those comments my whole life as well. Oh, you know, you're like one of the guys. I'm like, that's good and not But it's not so a bad good. thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's not, so, but it's, yeah. Yeah, right, right. But there's there's a there's a, there's a catch-22 to that. Um, so there, you could almost see that, that you know, this is bigger subtext than they, even they hint at, but... You know, as someone, of course, who loves TOS and is steeped in TOS lore, you could put all of this kind of together and go, ah, that I know is packed with a lot of stuff. Like, you know, it's it's packed with her feeling this way, personally feeling this way, professionally, you know, whatever. And of course, ideally, that's not a problem because we know that, thankfully, women on the bridge and women in command has thankfully been retconned away by things like Enterprise and things like that, thankfully, that the weird throwaway line and turnabout intruder is really never made sense even then, and it doesn't make sense at anymore anyway. And that's really just I think you can chalk that one up to Janice Lester being an insane woman <laughs> and, you know, an insane person, really. Well it doesn't I, matter. I would argue that they made that a thing. That that was like, yes, women can't be in command. 
back then. I'm glad they've retconned it, and I'm all for it. And so I have am I. No problem with doing that, but I would say that they said that. But the other thing I was going to say about that scene of mm-hmm. her telling him how to behave. So because Kayla from our site and who's you know usually on the podcast, we were talking yeah, about this. Who she couldn't be here tonight, so we're going to try and make sure right. we kind of hit the bullet points that she we were talking about with her beforehand so she so what she took from that was that it was i mean i can't speak for her but i'm gonna try was that number one was basically saying like if you want to succeed this is how you have to behave and this is like a rule and this is good advice and this is life and what i felt like when i watched it that was different i didn't feel that it was supposed to be quite that universal yes and I felt that it was actually for us, the audience, to understand where Spock made a choice. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Um, I also think that there is something to be said about that we know that all captains kind of have to do something along these lines. Um, we've seen people, I mean, we've seen people basically give similar advice or similar kind of speeches about being a captain that you have to kind of hide you know, tamp parts of yourself down. I mean, to go back to the enemy within, there's actually a great, great quote from Spock about that, about being the captain of the ship and you haven't the right to be vulnerable in the eyes of the crew. You don't, you can't afford the luxury of being anything less than perfect, you know? Right. And so there's a lot of feelings like that. I mean, other, and, 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 you know, throughout this different series, throughout the franchise, different captains have echoed similar or, or somewhat similar sentiments. And so, yeah, all she's saying is, is like, look, you're going to have to be really careful about how you proceed and how you sort of publicly present yourself o- only when it comes to, you know, command and sort of this side of the career. I think if he wanted to stay a scientist and be a quirky Lieutenant, like, that would be fine but that's a different track right that's all she's saying right and i mean the command conversation is interesting because i really he didn't want to be in command the whole time he was with kirk he really didn't want it no he really didn't yeah that's right he does sort of reluctantly take it when he needs to right but he doesn't it's not an ambition of his but you know what it's fine i thought it was i thought it was just really fun to watch and definitely uh written with a lot of love really well directed yes great music it's, really it's just two yeah. people in a, in a in an elevator so you got to do something with it so yeah. it really great well directed yeah. yeah oh and the music yes i thought the music stood out it was terrific it was um so this is you know this is a cool thing where michael giacchino who of course you know the composer for the kelvin universe movies among many other things is mentoring newer composers uh, a group of newer composers so he took them under his wing and kind of guided them to compose the scores for these short tracks and so that's definitely you know there's flavors of giacchino track like in there and i think that's fine i know that's like for some some people they're gonna get all pissed that that's sort of confusing the kelvin universe again because there are a little bit of similarities but of course that's i don't think that's a big deal it's not like giacchino took his his memorable score from star trek 09 and worked it in there he didn't there's just you know some general motifs that are the same and stuff um yeah i really loved it there's a lot of great um especially towards the end when they get to see the 
huge nebula, you know, and Pike asks, well, do Vulcans ever experience awe or whatever? There's such a great piece of the score for that, you know, very boldly going, you know, kind of feeling with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I loved it. Um, the, the conformity and the, the questions about conformity, I think, are are less a big deal in this one, but I think they actually have a lot and kind of concerning in some ways, those, these themes with our next Oof. episode that we can dive into. Oof. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's both a lot of fun and then also sort of troubling, depending on where you want to, how deep you want to analyze it. <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about The Trouble with Edward. Written by Graham Wagner, who is mostly a comedy writer, so we'll talk about that. And directed by Daniel Gray, Daniel Gray Longino. And here's our official episode synopsis. Newly minted Captain Lynn Lucero is excited to take him into the USS Cabot. That is, until she meets Edward Larkin, an ordinary scientist who believes he has found a revolutionary new use for Tribble. So. So. So here's, this is, uh, okay, because I, you know, so my personal thought is, as a, if it wasn't Star Trek, it was g- funny. It was funny, witty, yeah. and entertaining, 100%. It was not very Star Trek for a bunch of different reasons. So yeah, I feel agreed. like I could have someone else who's not a Star Trek fan or who's who's seen little bits and knows the look and the thing about you know who has the general ideas of what star trek is yep. would really really enjoy it because it was actually funny h john benjamin is hilarious he always He's is funny. Yeah. um i was really happy to see um what she's from uh, parenthood rosa salazar yeah. R- rosa salazar from, yeah from parenthood and i loved her on that yep. But it just, it had so many non-Star Trek things. And of course, the biggest one, besides a few small things here and there, was the way that she treats this weird scientist. Yeah. Because we've seen a lot of weird characters, and that's not how you treat that's them. That's not how they're treated. Right. That's one of those things that um, I saw people kind of nitpick this a little bit, and I think they misunderstand, which is, um, I know some people are like, oh, but this is the 23rd century. People aren't as, per- you know, people aren't really perfect yet. There are still, like, squabbles and stuff. And that's not the problem here. The problem is this is outright mean. Like there's there's a lot of this is just outright mean. And that's never been part of the trek, you know. Yeah, no, and way it, of doing things. a scientist who sees another scientist and immediately switches him into an area that isn't his area of expertise or interest uh, and won't have a discussion crazy. about it yeah, was like that part was I just thought, "Oh, you're really? a, you're a bad captain." Like that's yeah, not that's, that's not that's straight smart. up a terrible choice. Yeah. So he he was obviously like an intelligent guy, and he was obviously he had that obsessive thing that I would think is not uncommon in certain <laughs> types of yeah. scientists. <laughs> so you know, um, he was he was you know belligerent and non-communicative. Also, probably not the most unusual. No qualities. There's lots of people so her, who get obsessed with their work and stuff. Yeah. So her way of dealing with him was very un-Star Trek and frankly made her very unsympathetic. Like the minute he said, well, yes. my specialty is proteins. And she's like, well, so you'll do this other thing. And then she makes a joke and gets everybody around the table to laugh. I was like, oh, she's she's kind of a dick. She's not nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. essentially like, yeah, essentially the room just like turned against him. And there was like, they're all like the mean like the mean girls of the group all of a sudden yeah it was very high school it was very like what aren't these professionals 
you know, doing a job here. And he got the gig. Like, he's there and he's working. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, like you say, I, I agree with pretty much what you're saying. Like, it was it's enjoyable. Like, I, I get a chuckle out of it. I chuckled at lots of it. Um, yeah, it's troubling in the larger Trek sense. I will say that I think uh, some of the other, there's another part of it, which is like, this is totally, I, I don't know how anyone sees this as anything but a farce, right? I mean, the the tag at the end of the fake 90s serial commercial, <laughs> I think pretty much tells you this is not to be taken very seriously. Yeah, agreed. Um, some people seem to really have a problem, and I don't know why, and this is always like, we, when we've talked about comedic stuff on the podcast, it's the same thing. Like, you know, Trek episodes that are more comedic. Some people just don't seem to think Trek can or should be comedic much, you know. And it's so this is going to be a total, you know, departure for people like that, because that's all this is. There isn't really anything particularly serious about it, though there are some things like nuggets of things that they weave in there that are more serious. I mean, that that sort of set up serious things, let's say. Um, We'll get to that. But uh, the the episode itself is just goofy and essentially in isolation. It's not meant to be, you know, anything. Right. No, I mean, like the guy with the um, with the vacuum. Triple vacuum. And he yeah. had like this. The tank on his back was not even big enough. Someone actually messaged us this. I have to give credit. Oh, on really? Our, on our Trek movie uh, Facebook account and it made me laugh out loud because they're like first of all so that was such a very small case to hold all the tribbles that he was vacuuming up one at a time so the person decided that there was a transporter in there that was actually just transporting them somewhere there had to be right (laughs) and it was vacuuming up one at a time very like it would have been easier to pick them up and put them in a sack (laughs) uh yeah yeah it was very slow so it was definitely just meant to be amusing funny yeah yeah um so that part, like, does so again, let's just be clear, like, I, you know, I've, well, I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but like, I like the comedic Trek episodes. I don't think there's a problem with them. And so this, like, for example, could have been a very funny little entry. It was, it, there's just problems with it. Like, it's like, it's, for example, you know, we were just talking about, like, it's a little too mean. If this had been tweaked and rewritten to be less mean, I think this would have been just fine. You know what I mean? I think it could have fit right in. Yeah, I think I think they could have told the same story. Yes, exactly. That's 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 what I'm trying to get at. Another thing that I think would have really helped is actually uh, uh, Q and A worked perfectly in its time frame. I think this one actually could have used more time for us to see the kind of day to day, almost kind of humdrum of being a small science ship. Um, so that we actually got to know these people more. And I think one of the reasons why everyone seems really mean is it's all very brief, right? Like we meet we meet the new captain, we le- meet uh, Lucero, and then she's pretty much just like a jerk <laughs> right away, yep. right? And so this almost, you know, again, this was written by a guy who mostly writes sitcoms and stuff. This actually feels like maybe it could have used the full 22 minutes, you know, of a, of a sitcom to sort of get us more into the world and meet the people a little more before we have the situation arise, right? Right. One of the shows that he has written for is Silicon Valley, which I love very, very yeah, much. I like and, Silicon Valley a lot. And a scene that felt much more Silicon Valley than it felt Star Trek was the whole, like, this conversation is over. 
thing, which yes. was Although very I, I, I enjoyed funny. It, it very chuckled it, right? But, but it was funny. But it was very funny. But it was very un Star Trekky. But it was very funny and would have fit in great on one of those other shows. It would have, and because of H. John Benjamin, it actually really reminded me of Archer, a back and forth that Archer and Lana would have had on Archer. So it just totally fit. And um, I was it had a touch of Bob's Burgers too. <laughs> and, oh, of course. I mean, really, look, look. It's H. John Benjamin. His two most iconic things, like today anyway, these days, are Bob and Ar- and you know Archer. So I mean, <laughs> um, I will also say it's kind of weird that they made him really obsessed with the fact that the Tribbles are like meaty, because of course, like the because of course, also now H. John Benjamin is the spokesperson for Arby's, whose tagline is "We have the meats." So I really kind of think like somebody thought it was hilarious to use the Arby spokes guy in an episode where he's kind of obsessed with like the meat of a triple. Right. And that's maybe a little like too much. You know what I mean? They were like, hey, hey, this is hilarious. Like, eh, they might be trying a little too hard there, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it, it was a funny, I, I mean, all that stuff was funny. So I just, it, it, bothered me for other reasons but it was definitely yeah fun. i mean I, I don't i don't know what other reasons bothered you but one of the one of the ones i think that bothers me about it not being very star trek is of course lucero rightfully says well are they sentient and he just basically goes uh i don't know and i don't care and if they were let's genetically engineer them to be essentially like vegetables anyway so who cares he was very flagrant you know larkin you know edward the trouble with edward there edward was very dismissive of like their value as a living being which is yeah kind of shocking actually for star trek at any time you know 23rd century 24th century doesn't matter that's very unusual well they did some you know they did do some bad things to tribbles and other episodes and they actually did and that's (laughs) another thing that i was that's very true and it's funny i was reflecting on that earlier today uh Kirk and company are not exactly, you know, clean of this either. But what they do is they let the Klingons do their dirty work. They beam them over to the Klingons. And then whatever happens there, like, they didn't do it. But they facilitate, uh, probably triple slaughter is what they facilitate. Yes. By Scotty beating them over to the Klingons, okay? They just don't talk about it. And they all have a good laugh and we go into the next adventure. Right. But they probably, instead of directly, see, I mean, that's the difference is... You know, Mr. Larkin over here is essentially directly talking about manipulating a species to be stupid, like so that we don't have qualms about using them as a food source. Right. And that's, oi, that seems better suited for, I don't know, some other show. Like you say, it just doesn't, that's not very nice and that's not very... I know, but I, I do think with, like, I actually did a little quick scan of the other, tri- I mean, the Troubles Troubles, I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't need to watch because it's, lives, right, it course. lives in my yeah. brain. But, um, <laughs> so I watched uh, a little bit of More Troubles, More Troubles from the animated series, and I watched that mm-hmm. scene from The Breach, um, the Enterprise oh, yes. episode. Enterprise. But in yep. More Troubles, More Troubles, like, they also, Cyrano Jones has this predator, and they're like, watch, and then the predator just eats some just, Oh, that's true. The glomer <laughs> just goes for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's just... clearly people don't value the triple right. lives. So I didn't, much. and yeah, actually yeah. using them as a meat source is not a terrible. No, idea. it's not a terrible idea. So... It just makes it a little weird when he's obsessed with that idea, and he's also the Arby's guy. You know what I mean? Putting that together, yes, yes. it's like, oh, that's weird. 
anyway. Yeah, I didn't know about the Arby's thing because I'd never watch commercials. Um, right. <laughs> unless it's like the Oscars. I don't really see them. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but uh, I saw a lot of write-ups about that. I was like, oh, Arby's. Okay. I don't remember seeing an Arby's ad ever, but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> No, actually, yeah, they're they're pretty prevalent now, especially with him, because they, you know, H. John Benjamin is funny, so they're using him to the fullest. Right. There. But when I watch The Breach, so when I watch mm-hmm. The Enterprise, and it's really just the one scene, but, you know, so Floxy knows it's a, tri- it's a triple, he knows what it is. He says all it does is eat and breed, and that they breed quite prodigiously. So yep. he's already established that they breed, and he says, he says the reptiles are what kept them in check. <laughs> <laughs> and then he feeds it right to one of his menageries. Ah, so. uh, yeah, it's just I don't yeah. know, but you know. So basically, we already knew those things, and so I do feel like if they had really become as destructive as they were in the short track, which I have to say, I loved the popping out of the tribbles made me laugh, and then oh yeah, they're them, like popcorn popping, seeing them through crazy. the windows, filling up the windows. I thought that all looked it was funny to look at, yeah, but I was, was like, fun. there's yeah. no way Kirk wouldn't know. There's no way well, that that information I mean, that destroyed, that actually destroyed a ship. Yeah, that's and true. People now died. that it destroyed a Starfleet ship, like, say, six years prior, there's no way he wouldn't know. Before, like, when it was more obscure, like the Enterprise thing, yeah, people might not know, you know. Sure. But, but yeah. But we do know certainly people, some, some people knew, because, like, obviously, Cyrano Jones knew what it was to go sell them. Right. But, and they also, they... They said something like one person died, which meant him. But they also which had is, this yeah. weird random scene of some woman going, ah, being swallowed by tribbles. So yeah, I kinda, yeah, it looked like she be, she'd be dead, too. I sort of assumed that she died. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they beamed her out. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't. It, yeah, I, they didn't. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so either. But hey, you know. Um. And I also thought, like, oh, do we have to have, like, typical, like, woman screaming ah! again? Like, I always think I went to this thing that Ron Moore did last year at Comic-Con. And mm-hmm. he talked about in your side characters and your small characters, your extra characters, as well as your main ones, take the thing that's obvious and just switch it. And sure. it makes every scene more interesting. And I thought that twice in this one. I thought once when it was like woman mm-hmm. screaming. I'm like, just make a man scream. Just switch it. Just switch it. It'll be yeah, more interesting. Wouldn't be hard. Trust me. And then the other one mm-hmm. was the person in charge of the sort of panel of admirals or whatever at the end that's taking oh, it a task. Yep. And it's an old white guy front and center. Lead, and I'm just like, you don't. We don't, and, and Star Trek doesn't also, even Also, weren't they all men that. in that? No, there was one woman, but she was oh, sort of was. Okay. staring off in, off a, to d- in a completely different yeah. direction. Um, but it was like the man, and it was like the old white man. And I'm like, again, just switch. All they had to do was like switch those two people. Like put the old yeah. man in the bin with the tribbles. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is they, you know, the Discovery people tend to know better. Like, yeah. Like they tend to think about those things. So that's kind of a disappointment, actually. Yeah, I mean, it just I read about that. It's hard. I I I try to watch things and just enjoy them, and I certainly laughed and enjoyed this. But things like that, to me, they pop. Like I'm not yeah. I'm not looking for it. It actually just pops, and I go, oh, you know. And I feel like actually Star Trek throughout they always tried to like change up their admirals and have people in authority they look should. different. And right. yeah, so I that was a little disappointing. So, like we talked about, I don't think there's any real... Some people st- are still sort of getting bent in shape about this. Oh, the Tribbles before the Trouble of Tribbles. Eh. 
we've already we already just sort of have to let that go we've already talked about how yeah this... that's not the end of the world and should be you can bend that whatever it's fine well also i just i've i felt like it was more about having fun and being playful than trying to put something into canon in a serious way right right which also is going to bother people though because again to go back to like you know something that's purely comedy this is the first of its type and so you know we don't really know how like how does this really fit in um you know because people want everything to be canonical right so it's like this was an official cbs production so it's canonical right but it's also comedy and also like maybe not to be taken too seriously but things happened in it that affect other things ah the canon of it you know it's like i don't know what to do we don't know what to do this is kind of a new era where they're trying different styles of things and it's kind of throwing a wrench in the whole, you know, idea of trying to make perfect canon. Which, by the way, we all know there's not perfect canon. It's never been perfect the, ever. The, no, but but this but this idea of trying to is kind of harder and harder. Then, well, wait, um, wait till Lower Decks comes along. Like I just right, you know, I think. <laughs> well, if I think people will dismiss that somehow as being animated and somehow be dismissive of it. I don't really know. But. I don't know, but I just I. Th- I'm all for experimenting and trying different things. And I yeah, think short... I thought this was a good experiment. Yeah. And I think the short tricks are a great place to just be playful and try it. And some you're going to like more than others. But again, like that was just funny in a very separate kind of way. And I'm sure if I showed it to my 15 year old son, he would laugh his ass off and think that it was really fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Watching it with more a more casual fan, it definitely didn't like... There were no problems. There are no red flags right. for people. And it's just funny. Yeah. Uh, so to go back to the canon part, the only part really that's that's of sort of concern is what you'd hit on. We just sort of talked about briefly, which is that Larkin apparently claims that the triples he was working with bred slowly, right. which is weird because we know that they breed pretty prodigiously, right? Under, as Flock said, so we don't really know what that means. Maybe it's just him being impatient. He doesn't think they breed fast enough for his needs, you know, and he wanted to tinker with it. It's not really clear. But we certainly know that what we see uh, like six years later or so or whatever in TOS breeds quickly, but not the popcorn, you know, <laughs> popping kind of thing <laughs> that we see here. So it's not really clear like what he did and what really becomes of them. Uh, I do like that at the very end, the admirals drop this thing. Speaking of sort of ties to canon, that it looks like the triples probably made it into Klingon space. And we know from Deep Space Nine, right, that Worf talks about the great triple hunt. Oh, right. They were such a scourge. They were such an ecological scourge. The Klingon warriors went and, you know, killed every last triple at some point in like the early 24th century or something. So... There's even a little, you know, that's fun. They did a little fun thing where it's like, oh, uh oh, now it's in Klingon space. Like, it's about to cause a major problem for the Empire. Yeah, I mean, I guess overall, I just, I don't need so many here's things from the past. You know, like, even when it's said in the past, I'd be happy to have had a new species in a sort of a different issue so you know i get they want to play with them and it's fine but i guess i'd be more interested in something a little fresher well you know if they're gonna do a comedy episode they gotta lean on the tribbles i guess i guess so i guess you know at least it's a clear signal that it's supposed to be a comedic episode you know yes right okay right 
And it is the one, it's the one thing everybody knows about Star Trek, even if they've never watched it. As they go, those fuzzy things, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so I'm sure that's, you know, sort of why it was chosen. Um, so we talked about kind of the meanness of things. But the other part that we want, I want to sort of circle back to um, is that there's also then a, a kind of subtext that goes back to this sort of conformity and sort of concerns about conforming much more so in this one than, than in Q&A, I think, which is that, you know, at, at, at basically at every turn, Larkin, who was definitely socially awkward, who was definitely like not really plugged in to a lot of stuff, um, you know, socially and otherwise and sort of whatever, he's, he's basically punished at every turn, you know, for this sort of mindset. And, you know, because between being mocked, between being whatever, um, it's not particularly a nice outlook and it and as we said earlier that's not actually how anyone who's been this kind of awkward you know personality type has ever been dealt with before and it's not a good it's not a good message because basically you could see this i don't necessarily know if this is this is the way i interpret it but i i you could see it as a you didn't conform and now you pay the price. Like, we'll leave you behind to die kind of thing, right? Like, you, you get, you know, sort of penalized at every turn. And then the ultimate price is, we just don't care about you anymore, right? And I mean, and it's summed up by how Lucero calls him, he, he was an idiot, you know, at her trial. Like, at her, right. her, like, you know, board of inquiry. She just calls him an idiot, which is, like, super mean, super unprofessional. Not, of course, accurate. Well, so if you wanted to, let's put a different spin on it just for fun Mm -hmm. and say that the moral was that when you don't reach out to a colleague who is different and you marginalize them and make fun of them, then you create a situation whereby they go to extremes and therefore it's your fault. And so it's actually her bad command that he died yeah. because she was a bad captain and she proved she was a bad captain at the end by saying that he was dumb. So maybe the lesson right. wasn't he got what he, you're supposed to think he got what he deserved, but wow, that's what happens right. when you have a bad captain. <laughs> yes. And that's absolutely true because as we know, like things like that do fall on the commander's shoulders. That's, that's you. You're the captain of the ship. That's your bad for not and she did, recognizing the situation. Right. And she didn't take responsibility for it. And that's, yeah, it's really concerning. Her decisions are concerning in that regard, for sure. So then there's another kind of way to look at this, which is similar similar to all these themes, which is that whole, uh, there's kind of a mad scientist trope, right? With, with Larkin, that Edward is the problem and his own shenanigans basically are his undoing. Like he dies by his own mad science, you know, stuff. And that's, you know, I don't know. That's sort of just a common cliche thing but again is that really what we want to say about the world and people you know living in it in the future that's supposedly hopeful and professional and responsible you know what i mean like i don't know i don't know if that's really a good idea to like have that be the message either like regardless you know that's another interpretation and i don't know if that's a great one either so it gives it gives one pause because on the surface it's very enjoyable but like I chuckled at it, watching it and rewatching it, but like, it just gives you pause about. Uh. 
don't know if this is how this should work yeah in Star Trek. no i totally agree uh but it did it visually looked great uh-huh, so yeah. i'll give it that um you know and like i said it was uh, objectively funny <laughs> like, oh yeah it was very funny but it, yeah it just it didn't like i said it just doesn't fit in with with trek philosophy no and and, and like we were saying i really think with a little more time and some polish with some kind of senior writer who knows trek for example maybe kirsten byer needed to take a pass at this yeah you know? yeah or somebody if it had been yeah just some you know it just there's in here is something really funny and star trek but this isn't quite it you know but in there it could have been and it and, you know, people, I mean, Lucero, she could have still been annoyed with him. You can be annoyed with people. I mean, Lord knows people were annoyed with Barkley, right? Yeah. But you can't be, like, outright assholes about it. And that's basically what happened here. Right. To his so face. It's yeah. just to his face. And that's another thing is, like, you know, Trek is, one of the great things about Trek is it's is, is, is it mostly shows professionals doing their job, right? It's, it's essentially a show about space professionals doing their job i want to be a right? space professional I, mean, I know right um and so we don't see that sort of thing really and that kind of snarky and kind of dismissive stuff that wouldn't fly really in any workplace today and certain i mean kirk wouldn't put up if he saw that shit go on like say from you know people under him as he wouldn't allow that stuff to happen you know like at the conference room table on the enterprise yeah he wouldn't put up with that. No. Nope. You know? None of our captains would. No, no one would. Right. And so it's just really unfortunate because there is a way to do it. There's a way to, I think, have all of this still work, still be funny, still have H. John Benjamin be a nut, you know, like a nut job <laughs> in the way that he is, that he's perfect for. Um, I mean, I like, there's like, I love the fact that he's just like roaming the, the halls and his tidy whities at one point. That's hilarious. I'm like, <laughs> fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He can, you know. And he had that that he had the same pajama top as uh, yeah. Stamets he had the top Culver. on. <laughs> he did. He had the top on, but apparently no bottoms. Right. Just wandering the. And uh, but anyway, and see that's like funny and like whatever. He's an eccentric little fellow, and that's fine. You can still have all those both sort of those visual and sort of verbal sparring and things like that those can go back and forth there would even be a funny way there's definitely a less mean way to even do that back and forth of like this conversation is right. everything there is a way to do that that's a little less nasty and it would still be really funny the yeah. back and forth would be funny. yeah i would have yeah so yeah but as a captain you would have actually tried to listen to it. like a good captain would have just listened to him um and, and then you would have been like cool instead I of still saying, stand by my decision thanks right. like but, and then you know yeah yeah, yeah. But I've had you transferred as, you know, not nice. Yeah. <laughs> no. And then, of course, to be fair, like, he was a child because, like, he sent, supposedly, I mean, obviously not really anonymous, but because people are going to know it's, like, obviously he's pissed. Right. But, I mean, they had him be, like, a child and send, like, anonymous feedback about her. And that was also pretty stupid. I mean, he, you know him calling her dumb is not exactly great so really no one is particularly endearing <laughs> right. here and that's and, and i think like actually again a little more a little more runtime and a little more 
sort of massage time on the script side could have made us, you know, like both of these people a little more. And then also still, you know, not necessarily sad at their loss, but there's a way to make people not quite so crappy. They're both pretty shitty yeah, people yeah. at times. And it's unfortunate. Yep, I agree. So, so again, there's a lot of duality about it. Like, I, do, I think it's funny, but I also just have concerns about it being part of Star Trek in a larger sense. Right. But it's just a short <sighs> film that took place on a familiar and, setting. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually so good. Just, <laughs> and you just chalk it up to that and we move on, quite right. frankly. It's, it's fine, you know? Like, I'm not going to dwell on it. It's fine. And maybe not every captain is good. <laughs> Some captains well, are and, just and, bad. And as we know, there can't be, they can't all be like amazing. Right. Certainly. Because there are far too many vessels and there are far too many ships that are not flagship. I think that's another thing that that's actually a good point. Um, we get spoiled with most of our shows are about, you know, they're hero ships, right? Like our shows follow people on flagships, basically, you know. Yeah. Voyager was not technically the flagship, but whatever. It was one of the newest of its kind and with a outstanding captain. So again, we, we essentially see like top grade people. <laughs> you know, we don't always there's people who are kinda more mediocre. It it just there just has to be. I mean you I know? you know, like we don't know how lower decks is gonna go, but it definitely feels like if it ha if it, right. it can have that kind of vibe and because it's animated, I think it'll be a lot of fun and it'll be fine. And we're probably yep. going to see people who aren't necessarily great at what they do. And, no, I you think know, we'll, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I think that that if, if they're trying to like set some tone for that, then that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. And again, see, that goes back to the thing we're talking about. Somehow it being animated, people kind of let it slide more, I think. Yeah, sure. And the other thing we'll say is, so Anson Mount turned up in each of these two for like yes, four, for like four and a half seconds. And that was it. <laughs> we got him very briefly. But the next one we know, um, which comes out November 14th, is going to actually feature him as far as we know, right? Yes. So hooray. Yeah. Finally, what people have been clamoring for, let's get a little pike action going on. Right. So yeah. And so obviously, like, we'll be discussing that, you know, when when it comes out in a month. So there you go yay all right well i think that's it for this entry of the shuttle pod let's say goodbye everybody yeah let's call it a day all right bye guys bye